You guys, welcome to episode 70 of The Smush Room. By the way, 70. Can we talk for a second? The podcast that deep dives into well-known and more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. It's me, Troy McKeady. You guys, you've sat here for 70 straight weeks and listened to this um, androgynous, sometimes nasally voice just pierce your eardrums. I can't believe it. I cannot believe that we're on episode 70. I've got to be on, I have to be honest with you. I didn't even know until like maybe 15 minutes ago I went to pull up uh pull up the episode lists in my phone and just to see which one we were on and I was like 70? A milestone? Huh? I didn't know that we were recording a milestone episode today, but we are and I'm really I'm really uh I'm like <coughs> I'm choked. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited and I'm also in shock. I just can't believe it. I've I I said this before, but I've not done anything um anything 70 times consecutively in my life that was like good for me. I've only done things 70 weeks in a row that you would consider um damaging, really. You know what I mean? So this is the silver lining. I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm really excited. I can't believe it. We're closer to 100 than we are um, one or whatever. So that's nuts. And we're talking about a milestone couple today. I'm really, really excited about um, who we're going to be delving into. Um, I don't know if my, my feelings or thoughts or emotions have been made on this podcast yet about Miley Cyrus and how she makes me feel. But if not, you'll learn today how much I love this woman. Like, you're going to learn today how untouchable she is for me and just how interested and fat. I'm just continuously fascinated by her career, her life, her decision making, her past, just all of it. All of it is so fascinating to me, especially, especially in the... Um, in the, um, I don't know, in the landscape of her being like a Disney star and a child star and how she sort of handled that. You guys know that I find all that stuff endlessly endlessly fascinating. I'm a real stuttering Stanley today. It's only two minutes in. I better get it together, huh? But I'm very excited. Um, as far as the Hemsworths, um, as far as Liam, Liam Hemsworth, I am not a stan. Now uh, look, I... Do I find Liam ridiculously attractive? Duh. If you have eyes, so do you. But, you know, I'm not, like, a Hemsworth head. Like, I'm not... I'm, I'm ne- I've never been first in line for, like, a Thor movie. You guys know how I feel about the Marvel Universe. I just, like, don't fucking care. And I don't... I just... I, I, I just can't. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Liam... I find Liam fascinating through Miley... And, like, it's the discovery that he's, like, kind of a weirdo has made me love him more. Um, I like the fact that he is kind of weird and that he, you know, has been into Miley through all of her transitions. Like, you look at him, especially in, like, you know, 2009 or 2010 when Miley was still just, like, a Forever 21 girl. And you think that he's just, like, this sort of stereotypical, very hot kind of douchebag maybe not a lot of depth there or anything, you know, and then you realize that he's actually a weirdo and that he loves all of Miley's, like, weird phases and you realize, like, he has to be a little bit of a weirdo to have transitioned with her 
throughout, you know, the past 10 years. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Like I said, I live for this girl and I cannot wait to get into just all of the nuances of her career and how fascinating I find just all the things. Um, by the way, I'm not sick anymore. I'll have you know. Even though I always have like a sick voice, I'll always have the burden of just sounding like a sickly person. But I'm not sick anymore, technically. So I don't know if we get really crazy. You know what I mean? If God is aware that we're recording a milestone episode today, maybe he'll allow me and he'll shepherd me through without coughing. I don't know. Crazier things have happened. That probably won't happen. I'm not going to lie. I'm either going to have to cough or I'll pause this to cough. You guys know the routine. You know me well enough now. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I've got my tea and my cough drops and my, my, like, uh, my, like, what's the, there's a word that I'm looking for whenever I bring these things up. It's like, um, it's not itinerary. It's like, uh, it's like your, your weapons, like the shit that you can, okay. You guys know what I'm talking about, but it doesn't matter because it doesn't have anything to do with the episode and we're five minutes in and I'm already rambling about words that don't matter. You guys, Miley and Liam, before we even get started, are one of those iconic couples that, they break up a lot. They've broken up uh, a, more than a dozen times, I'd say, throughout the years. It's hard to really keep up. I, it's it really hard for the press to keep up with when they're together and when they're not. Because when they're, when they're not together, the press... The weird thing about the media is that technically you're together if you're seen walking together. Like, if you break up, but you're seen having, like, lunch or something, then you're back on. So you never really know... Unless the couple states that they're together or not. You never really know what's going on. In their case, they remain friends when they're not together. And um, something that we'll talk about, they sort of embrace their breakups. They love breaking up because they love, you know, going off and learning more about themselves and then coming back together. They're like very that couple, which I think is incredible and incredibly mature. And I wish that people, you know, twice their age had that ability to realize that breaking up isn't the worst thing when it means that you'll possibly get back together and be better people, you know? So neither of them is, neither of them come off as like codependent in any way, shape or form. Um, but they're just fascinating and they have a very, uh, sort of, I don't know, like a very like millennial outlook on dating and on relationships. Like Miley and Liam. Yeah. I don't felt like I just said their names weird. Miley and Liam are, I don't know. They sort of, like, encapsulate all the things that make millennial couples what they are nowadays. That they're just, like, fluid and, you know, Miley's pansexual and they are engaged but, like, kinda because they don't even know if they want to get married. Like, it's all just very go with the flow. Um, They technically started dating in August of 2009 and they got engaged in January of 2016. Like I said, they've separated a bunch of times. As of right now... Um, They are happily engaged and don't really have any plans on getting married. A lot of people speculate that they speculate that they secretly did get married in April of 2017. Um, But it's never really been confirmed. I don't think they are because Miley talks about marriage not really being an important thing for her right now in her life, which we will also get to. Um, And this is also a really interesting couple to me because... Throughout each sort of phase of Miley's life and career, she's dated people who sort of reflect where she is at that time. You know, when she was younger, 
her dating history looked very much like what you would expect of like a young Disney girl, like Nick Jonas and like Dylan Sprouse. Um, you know, a lot of just like those young sort of like heartthrobby relationships or whatever. Um, and then she starts to sort of explore a little bit more during her bangers era. You know, she starts dating women. Um, she very famously dated, um, Brooke Candy and, you know, Cara Delevingne. Um, and she, uh, you know, she started dating ben Benji Madden. Um, she went out on some dates and got fucked by Kellen Lutz, which I'm, I'm very proud of her. There are these photos of Miley and Kellen Lutz at, like, a bar. And, uh, she's wearing this really cute, like, really skin-tight jumper dress that has, like, um like, uh, overall straps, and then she's wearing a half shirt that, like, just stops, like, right under her nipple, so, like, you know, bottom cleavage, and she just looks like she's ready to go home and fuck, and, like, I feel that, that, that's, I feel that energy for her, you know what I mean? I would imagine being drunk around Kellen Lutz is just, like, I can't, I, I, I don't even really want to imagine that energy, because I don't want it to be projected into the microphone right now, but, yeah, I mean, she, you know, she just kind of uh, was, like, out there playing the game and, like, trying different things and, you know, experimenting with men and women and different races and, you know, just all different kinds of people. And then she slowly, you know, transitions into what seems like a more mature sort of adult relationship with Patrick Schwarzenegger, who cheated on her, and Douglas Booth. Um, but the one constant in her life through all of those phases has always been Liam through her highs and lows, you know, moments where she's, like, championed and celebrated, moments where she is ridiculed and made fun of. He's always been there. And I just find that really fascinating. And I, I don't know, I just think, I like their love, you know? As Wendy Williams always says, I love their love. I just think it's really sweet. Obviously, we're going to start by talking about Miley, because, as always, ladies first, and also, I'm too excited. I'm too excited. I mean, what is there to say about Miley besides literally everything, as I always say? What is there to say? Um, Destiny Hope. <laughs> Destiny Hope Cyrus was raised in Tennessee. As you know, she's a Southern gal. And um, I don't know if you somehow stumbled upon this podcast and didn't know that Billy Ray Cyrus was Miley's father. I'm happy that you're here because you need you need me. If you didn't know that Miley Cyrus was the daughter of Billy Ray Cyrus, then I think you need me more than I need you. I'm not even going to lie about that. I'll, I'll be bold and say that. I think that you, you need me. You need this podcast. You are living in a world under a rock or a bridge or something that is uh, unhealthy and harmful, and I want better for you. So just sit back and relax and learn a couple things, honestly. Miley was given the name Smiley as a baby because, according to Billy Ray... She was always smiling. So they uh, they shortened the name to Miley as a nickname. And she had ended up just officially changing her name as a kid to Miley. Um, she took the middle name Ray in honor of her grandfather, Ronald Ray Cyrus, who was a Democratic politician. And, um, you know, Miley is such a fascinating person because, you know, not even in the sense of the fact that she was like a celebrity you know, she's the, the daughter of a celebrity musician and or all those things or whatever, just like the on paper stuff. But, you know, she was raised in this extremely musical, sort of kooky, experimental environment that made her this um, 
kind of like pop culture melting pot as a child. And that's so reflective of who she is today. I mean, for fuck's sake, like her, her godmother is Dolly Parton and her father is the man who wrote achy breaky heart. You know what I mean? Like she just has it in her to like be this kooky, weird, uh, artistic individual and she had a very shockingly normal childhood for being the daughter of, like, a country superstar. She attended Heritage Elementary School in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Her dad worked on the TV show Doc, so uh, she and her family would pick up and go back and forth to Canada. Um, she would some sometimes do, like, little guest appearances on his show. Um, you know, she went to church every week. She was, like, a Southern Baptist girl uh, she wore a purity ring. Miley grew up during, you know, the generation where the purity ring was like, meant a lot for young people. So she was uh, very much a God warrior <laughs> as a child. Proud of her. We love a Christian lifestyle on this podcast. Uh, and Miley, you know, she had decided in 2001 that she wanted to be an actress. Her dad took her to uh, a... Um, live production in Canada of Mamma Mia and she told him like I want to fucking act and they took her seriously they were like okay well if you want to do this then like let's really go for it and get a team of people around you that can help you become a star you know she made the decision that she wanted to go into show business in whatever aspect she could she could sing she could dance you know she loved acting and all the things um she was hired to play these like super small roles, you know, she went out on auditions as every kid would. She appeared in the Tim Burton movie, Big Fish as um, a character named Young Ruthie. She was credited as Destiny Hope. And uh, she auditioned for the movie Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl in 3D with Taylor Lautner, but she wasn't chosen. And um, at this point, her mom, Tish, who's also iconic, had also stepped up to become her manager and hired a team of people to sort of help her career take off. Miley signed a contract with Mitchell Gossett, who was the director of youth <clears throat> at the um, at CESD, who also, by the way, represents, like, the biggest names in Hollywood, like Carol Burnett, uh, Pamela Adlon, who I, like, have a straight crush on, Burt Reynolds, I mean, it's, you know, the, the list goes, your very own Paris Hilton. Yes, yes. Paris Hilton and Burt Reynolds are being represented by the same company. It's kind of amazing. Um, and this guy Mitchell is credited as kind of being the person who discovered Miley and really helped get her voice out there. He's also responsible for um, getting her the audition to play the lead in Hannah Montana. Uh, Miley auditioned for Hannah Montana when she was 11. If you haven't seen it, I would really suggest you go on YouTube and watch her audition video. It's amazing. Uh, she's just a little... It's very much... Have you ever seen that SNL skit where, like, Vanessa Bayer plays, like, like child like child stars who are, like, just um, delivering, like, sort of inappropriate monologues in the most, like, like child starring way? It's very that. You know what I mean? It's very like, I'm a child star, hear me roar, but I'm like living for that gig because, you know, as a kid, like that was my dream. Like as a child, it was like my true fantasy to audition for 
like a Nickelodeon show or, you know, like, um, I don't know, to like be, yeah, to be on like a, like a Nickelodeon type show. You know what I mean? That was like what I lived for. So seeing kids like audition, it like sparks this thing in me where I'm like, oh my God, I remember being 10 and like practicing like lines in my mirror as a kid. Ugh. Um, so she was initially denied the role. She wanted to play the best friend on the show. She didn't even really want to play Hannah Montana. But then she ended up auditioning for Hannah. They told her she was too small and that she was too young. Um, and then she, you know, she sang and danced for them and acted. And they were like, oh. So she's like a multi-talented, like triple threat at 11 years old. Maybe we should hire this girl to do something. Um, so she went through this long, rigorous auditioning process. I think she auditioned four times. And um, they're all available online. And then finally she was uh, chosen. And if you've ever heard Miley Cyrus talk about her childhood in interviews, you've probably seen her mention the fact that she grew up in a house where her father had introduced her to all these different kinds of music as, she, you know, as soon as she could talk. So she was listening to like folk and grunge and country and rock and pop and R&B and soul you know, Billy Ray is very famously, like, sort of a music Wikipedia. So by the time Miley had auditioned for Hannah Montana, she was already heavily influenced, and the producers were living for her old soul gig. We love a kid with an old soul that, like, will randomly sing, like, Etta James or something for you. Um, Hannah Montana ran from March of 2006 to January of 2011. The show garnered like 5.4 million viewers during its premiere which gave disney a uh, a highest rec ugh, brr, gave disney a highest rate what <laughs> it gave disney their highest ratings in history um for the premiere of a new television show so your girl broke records and um you know the Hannah Montana years are interesting for several reasons. For one thing, this was a show that was premiering on the tail end of Lizzie McGuire being sort of pushed out, right? And I talk a lot about the fact that Hilary Duff is someone who like, doesn't really get any credit, for the most part, for the fact that she sort of broke down the doors on this whole like Disney pop idol thing. Hilary Duff was really the first person to be considered a contender in like a legitimate pop landscape as a character from a Disney show. You know, she was charting Billboard with like Kelly Rowland or whatever um, as a character from a show, but also singing the music as Hilary Duff. It was very confusing, but we just kind of went along with it because we thought the music was good and... Um, you know, it's obvious that Disney was sort of placing her in a position to have that torch be passed, you know, and she would fill this void that a now aging Hillary Duff, um, who would rather at this point <laughs> spend her days like, you know, writing rock and roll punk music with her boyfriend, Benji Madden, uh, you know, she was over it. And Miley, Miley was the perfect person to sort of pick up where Hillary Duff had left off and like really carry this um this multi-billion dollar industry torch. And the other really fascinating thing to me about the whole Hannah Montana thing is 
you know, as a child, like, you don't, you don't realize the decisions you're making and how they're going to affect your life. And I'm sure, you know, she didn't realize that she was signing herself up to be put in this extremely peculiar situation that she would inevitably have to claw herself out of tooth and nail, you know, for to be doing this like dual, like this is Hannah. Now this is Miley. Now I'm back to Hannah. Um, I just think it's so damaging and it's proven itself to be damaging for like Disney and Nickelodeon to market these kids as like dual personality characters. And when you see Miley, she's always actually Hannah. It just confuses children and makes them think that this shit's like real. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. We, you know, we've for almost a year or over a year now, I guess, gone through all of the damaging things about Disney and Nickelodeon. You guys know how I feel. Um, Not a Disney stan. Never felt the enchantment. Not into it myself. Um, And the show was, you know, it was obviously incredibly, insanely successful upon its release. So Disney was quick to, of course, you know, get her out on that stage, get the cattle prods out, zip, zip. Make sure they're working. Let's get this girl out there and selling book bags. Um, you know, we got to get her releasing music. They knew that they would be able to use that same Lizzie McGuire formula to make, you know, just boatloads of money off this girl's image. They wasted no time. She was sent out on tour with the Cheetah Girls as Hannah Montana in fall of 2006. And the network came up with the idea to release an album after each season of her show so that, you know, they would do a whole however many month run um, for the season of the show with, like, music introduced and they'd release an album for the season and then they would take her out on tour and she would perform the music. So each tour felt like you were, you know, it was... They had a really good thing going. It was a smart decision, but it was a lot of pressure to put on a 12-year-old girl. It's fucking insane. Um... She signed a four-year contract to also release what would be known as her non-Hannah Montana music. So that would be considered songs like um, Seven Things I Hate About You. Iconic. Can we talk for a second? Um, by the way, See You Again. Do you have goosebumps? Like, are you living? Can we talk? See You Again? She's just being Miley? Come on. Come on. The impact that these songs... The, first of all, the impact that See You Again had on my friends is... Um, it's incomparable, really. Honestly. I don't know about you, but... I, I don't know what was happening in your life in 2007. Like, we were living for the gig, though. Um, I loved it. I loved all of Miley Cyrus's like mainstream pop music. I was obsessed. I just... I always knew. I was like, when this girl gets older, she's gonna be so fucking cool. I just had a feeling. You know what I mean? I felt it. I knew it. I knew it in my bones. And another thing I wanted to talk about... Or another thing that I think I have talked about in the past in the Hillary Duff episode was the fact that, you know, since this music was now charting the Billboard and being played on mainstream radio, like, everybody knew it. It's not to say that we were all blaring Hannah Montana CDs, but, like, mainstream audiences knew, like, Seven Things I Hate About You, a song that was written about Nick Jonas, and that was, you know, news that was um, circulated for, like, on, like, Perez Hilton. Um, The mainstream audience, like I said, knew See You Again. She's Just Being Miley was, like, a 
a cultural, a little bit of a cultural phenomenon. You know what I mean? So this girl was blowing up in the exact same way that Disney was able to get Hannah or uh, Lizzie McGuire to blow up. And it's wild that they were able to kind of trap that lightning in a bottle fantasy a second time in a row, but maybe even bigger. Um, she re- embarked on this super ridiculously successful best of both worlds tour with the Jonas Brothers. Um, she performed both as Hannah Montana in one set, and then she would come out as Miley, which again, I think is so damaging. Um, when the tour was announced to Ticketmaster, I'm sorry, when the tour was announced, Ticketmaster officials released the statement saying that they hadn't ever seen anything like it and that the demand for the tickets were like something um, comparable to like the Beatles or Elvis. Um, their site was shutting down. I mean, it was just pandemonium. Uh, the tour was released as a 3D film and ranked in $70 million. It was the most successful film to open during the Super Bowl weekend, which is typically a time when studios release just rubbish because nobody goes to the movies during Super Bowl weekend, obviously. Um, but they did They did this week. They did for Miley and Joe, and Joe Jonas and Nick Jonas and Kevin. Have I ever told you guys, by the way, that as when I was younger, Kevin was like my favorite Jonas? Isn't that embarrassing? Anyway, this is where the controversial period of Miley Cyrus's life starts. Um, this is the first, I guess you could say, sort of domino being flicked. You know what I mean? This is it. Like, this is where we enter that very controversial period of her life where it was like every single move she make. What? <laughs> every single move she make ended up being this like controversial, talked about speculated thing where it was like is she a good girl or not is she a role model or no like you know people just didn't they didn't know what to think um she was facing a lot of really extreme criticism and she was carrying this like i said this uh, ridiculously heavy torch like it's just it's so much pressure for a kid it's just so damaging and like i don't know it's just it's crazy to me that a room full of adults like 50 year old men can look at a 12 year old girl and feel like it's okay to they know that they're kind of like ruining these kids lives a little bit you know what i mean they're setting themselves they're setting these kids up to be ridiculed and to have really unfair scrutiny on them for their sexuality to become a weird thing and you know to have to be presented as this like perfect you know parent approved um little like i don't know test subject to the world and then when it doesn't work because it's inevitable that it it won't it's impossible to live up to that they shatter and, and they spiral and then the and then disney just separates themselves and they're like well we don't know her we don't know anything about that part of her life like as if they didn't create the monster um you know and the fascinating thing about miley to me um is that she sort of refused to not live her life in the most authentic way a teenage girl in 2007 who has signed her blood away or her signed her soul away with blood to disney uh she did the best she could you know what i mean she was like i'm still gonna fucking smoke salvia i'm still gonna date women i'm still gonna kind of do what i want to do whether you guys want me to or not now, something that I've talked about on this podcast before that we're about to get a little bit deeper into is something that I like to call, well, it's not something that I like to call, it's literally the name. It was a YouTube channel, you may have heard of it, called The Miley and Mandy Show. Miley's first uh, sort of 
uh, toe dipped in the water of controversy a little bit. The Miley and Mandy show. I've definitely mentioned it on this podcast before. For those of you who don't know, Miley Cyrus had a YouTube channel with her best friend, Mandy. I think her name is pronounced Jero. Mandy is now a pretty successful dancer. Um, you can follow her on YouTube. <laughs> Shout out to Mandy Jero. You can follow Mandy on YouTube. I looked her up last night and she's a very successful YouTube career as a um, choreographer and she like teaches dance classes online. But this was sort of the greatest thing to happen at the in- on the internet at this time. You know, this is very, very, very early YouTube. And this channel was essentially just videos of them, like, hanging out and, like, being stupid and young. And there's just something really nostalgic about it. About its, like, sort of rawness. Because um, this is early YouTube and it reminds me of just being young and, like, posting shit on the internet. And it didn't matter because... It just didn't matter back then. Like, you know, we were so naive and it was like, whatever you post, like, it, you know, it, it won't come back and haunt you. You know what I mean? You can post whatever you want. Celebrities can start weird YouTube channels and post dumb videos in their closet. It doesn't matter. It's YouTube. Who's going to see it? Um, I don't know. And it reminds you of just being like uh, in those tween teenage years of friendship, you know, where you feel like you can... I don't know, just, like, constantly be around each other. You have to be in the same room. And everything you say to each other is so funny to the point that you're, like, like gut-punched funny. You know what I mean? Like, you're, like, laughing on the ground, dying at, like, the dumbest shit. You know, but you just have so much fun together. And you can't wait to be around each other. You guys, I hate to cut you off, but at this point, I think you know the drill. You've got to be a Patreon member to hear the remainder of this episode. So... Go to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. At that point, you will uh, be asked to donate. And then when you donate at this level, you'll get this podcast. You'll get the remainder of all the episodes every single week. You'll get Liz Bentley's Feathers in My Hair, which is the Teen Mom podcast. Um, you'll get me and Molly's uh, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic special. You'll get all the stuff that Molly does exclusively through Patreon. It's well worth it. And also, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, go to mollyandthepsychos.com. It'll take you straight to it. And uh, all we do all day and all night is talk about reality TV. It's super fun. So, like I said, patreon.com slash ebpsychos and mollyandthepsychos.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.